Welcome to the Cybersecurity Weekly Podcast. I'm Jane Lowe, podcasting from Singapore today. And today we are very privileged to have Dr. Gay Jane Perez, who is the Deputy Director General at the Philippine Space Agency. And she's also the Associate Professor and Scientist at the Institute of Environmental Science and Meteorology at the University of the Philippines. And she is also the first Filipino to win the ASEAN-US Science Prize for Women in 2018. So it's a great privilege to have her with us today to share with us the latest developments at the Philippines Space Agency and some of the highlights that she presented at the panel discussion at the Global Space and Technology Conference in Singapore today. So thank you so much, uh, Dr. Perez, for joining us in the podcast today. Hi, Jane. Hello. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes. So I understand that the um, Philippine Space Agency is a attached agency of the Office of the President um, tasked to handle national issues and activities related to space science and technology. And it was launched, um, I believe, a little bit more than two years ago. So could you share with us, uh, with our listeners, on some of the thoughts behind the launch of the agency? Perhaps tell us a bit about the mission and also the objectives of the Philippine Space Agency. Thank you, Jane. So two years ago, precisely on August 8, 2019, the country enacted a landmark legislation we now call the Republic Act 11363, or the Philippine Space Act, the law that created the Philippine Space Agency, or FILSA. Uh, now, the passage of the Philippine Space Act signifies the country's formal recognition of the increasing strategic importance of space and its peaceful uses for the benefit of Filipinos and the world. The law provides a framework for the Philippine space policy uh, that will enable the country to become a truly space-capable and space-faring nation. Now, to realize these goals, the Philippine Space Act mandated the creation of the Philippine Space Agency, which now serves as the central government agency addressing all national issues and activities related to space. FILSA aims to promote a sustain and sustain a robust Philippine space ecosystem that adds and creates value in space for and from Filipinos and for the world, focusing on several key development areas such as national security and development, space research and development, hazard management and climate studies, space education and awareness, space education capacity building, and international cooperation. Uh, Dr. Perez, you touch on um, a, a key development area, which is uh, hazard management and climate studies. And I think um, it's interesting because when it comes to space technology, I think uh, for many of us, right, we immediately think about images of rockets, astronauts, you know, um, uh, telescopes to view the, the frontiers, our solar system or galaxy. But it's also really uh, the space technology is also a means, right, to view the lands and also the oceans below on Earth, right? From above. And some of the uh, benefits that we know of is, of course, uh, Google Earth, right, or GPS um, capabilities. So you touch on hazard management and climate studies as also one of the benefits of the um, space technology. Can you share with us a little bit more about this and also perhaps other applications? I believe that you um, share at the uh, panel discussion ability to monitor economic activities as well. 
that's right. Uh, thank you. So I believe you're focusing on one important application of space technology, which is Earth observation. So with the satellites, uh, we can observe our terrestrial, atmospheric, and hydrospheric ecosystem and uh, the activities, uh, which actually impacts greatly our environment. So with satellite technology, we can have access to information way back uh, several decades ago, like uh, up maybe at this point, we already have um, at least four decades worth of satellite observations. Now, when we're looking at hazards, especially those related to uh, climate, it's important to create this baseline. Like, what is our environment? Um, how, how is it changing? Um, what are the trends and the variabilities in our uh, environment for the past several years or even decade? Now, with this trend, uh, understanding this trend, uh, we will have a good appreciation of anomalies that uh, we are experiencing nowadays. So, for example, uh, very recently, our country was hit by a super typhoon, uh, led uh, hu to huge damages, both in properties and, and life. Now, satellite observation, satellite data had been uh, useful in assessing the impacts of uh, typhoon, uh, flooded areas, destroyed buildings, roads, uh, affected agriculture. Now, these are uh, important information in order for our respondents to determine which are the affected area and also to re recommend approaches or towards recovery. Aside from this specific example, um, another thing we can look at as a good application of uh, satellite technology is more on the long-term hazards such as drought. So this is where a baseline information or the trend and variability of climate would be very important. So we want to understand the severity and intensity of drought, for example, in reference to what we have experienced in the past. So this will also help us tailor uh, appropriate uh, management recommendations, especially with regards, say, for example, for agriculture to determine uh, drought-resistant crops or uh, providing advices on mitigation or intervention, such as proper irrigation and also applying, say, the necessary fertilizers or pesticides. So the thing is, we want to know when to do this, where to do this, and that's where information from satellites would be very useful because, as you know, um, with satellite data, we can cover vast area, uh, which is usually challenged by ground observation, especially in the case of our country in the Philippines, which is archipelagic. So we have so many islands and it's challenged to, to do on the ground or on-site monitoring. Uh, but with space, we have this unique vantage point and we can observe these areas at the same time. And that's very important for these kinds of hazards uh, related to, to climate and changes in our environment. The uh, initiative that you brought up about drought detection is, of course, mm -hmm. um, this um, research that, that you developed as part of the 2018 uh, ASEAN-US Science Prize for Women. 
Um, and of course, um, as I also understand you correctly, that uh, drought prediction is very important uh, for uh, Philippines because agriculture is a big part of the economic activity. And um, collecting uh, satellite data over time, providing the history and also the baseline, allows you to discern certain trends. So not only do satellites, um, because of its high vintage point, allow uh, extensive coverage of observation and fill in the gaps where on-site observations are difficult, but the ability to collect this uh, historical data is essential to some, some of the monitoring activities for economic or for detecting potential disasters. That's correct, yes. Yes, so and and all this information and data come onto what you call a dashboard that allow you to look at all these um, patterns. Uh, that's true, right? Um, so one way of integrating this data uh, is through a dashboard. Uh, actually, the dashboard is more of an end user tool. So it's really a means to visualize uh, the different applications of uh, satellite technology for agriculture, for forestry, uh, also looking at water quality, and, and many more. Now, the integration part actually is at the backbone of it. It's not what's facing the public, but the analysis uh, we're doing in the background to prepare these images so it can easily be consumed or interpreted by our users. And mm. we can, uh, yeah, and there, we're using different tools for this, um, but in general, I can say these are usually uh, computationally uh, demanding. Earlier, you mentioned Google Earth. Actually, they have a very good cloud-based platform where we can ingest and analyze a lot of these satellite data. We also have what we call data cubes, uh, where uh, satellite data are stacked like layers, uh, one on top of the other, complemented with other ground truth data. And we can apply analytics to derive the information that we want from this huge amount of data set. And, and this uh, experience in uh, processing and analyzing and interpreting this immense volume of satellite data, you also gain as a postdoctoral fellow at the uh, NASA's Space Flight Center. Well, you got it right. Actually, mm -hmm. that's my first exposure to handling huge amount of data. Uh, the good thing with the U.S., or in particular NASA, most, if not all, of their satellite data are readily available for free for anyone's use. Uh, but the challenge is really, well, the first challenge is downloading it because back then you have to download it to your local computer. You're, we're talking about gigabyte worth of data just for like one scene. And to come up with a meaningful analysis you need maybe thousands uh, of scenes. You want to do multi-temporal and multi-spatial analysis. So that's the first hurdle that I have to deal with, um, downloading this in an automated manner. And the next level, of course, is to process them, uh, developing algorithms or codes to analyze this data set and finally interpret them, which is a very important step because otherwise, these maps uh, may be interpreted in different ways and may not really be useful in the end. So a proper interpretation by expert and proper use of these maps are important steps in, in the process. I learned 
this, uh, my first exposure to this um, processes uh, was when I went to NASA Goddard Space Flight Center as a postdoc. But I would like to add that nowadays, like the first two steps are much simplified. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, with the presence of like cloud-based computing platforms, uh, we don't have to deal with downloading the data to our local computers. Many of the algorithms are already available publicly, so we just have to enhance it a little bit uh, mm. to suit our needs. So uh, many things have changed really since I first started working with satellite data. Yes, of course, um, there have been a lot of uh, technological advances since um, five years ago. And um, right. yes, so thank you for sharing some of the insights, you know, behind the scenes uh, efforts in processing and gathering and collecting some of these uh, satellite data and make it into some meaningful insights. I, I think our listeners will appreciate, you know, um, when it comes to space technology, it's not all just glamorous uh, with regards to telescope and astronauts and, you know, um, spaceships, right? So it's also a, a lot about um, some of the work behind the scenes that gather all this information and build it into something that's meaningful that we we can apply to benefit our daily lives. Um, so we touch on quite a bit about the downstream side of things. And I understand the upstream things that had been also developments uh, at uh, the Philippines uh, Space Agency. So for example, I understand that there was a satellite that was built in 2016 that was uh, put into orbit that's called the Diwata 1. And now you are onto Diwata 2. So can you tell us a bit about some of these uh, behind-the-scenes uh, efforts in building some of these satellites? Okay, so let me start by describing our uh, development of our first microsatellite, Diwata-1, which, you got it correctly, was launched in 2016. So that came about as a result of our partnership with Japan, particularly the Hokkaido University and Tohoku University. So we uh, implemented a project that is funded by the Department of Science and Technology. So there's no Philippine Space Agency yet at that time. Now, under this uh, project, which is called Phil Microsat, uh, we sent Filipino engineers to Japan, to those two universities, to do their studies but at the same time to build the satellite as a practical application of what they're learning uh, in the graduate program. So the result of this is our first microsatellite, Diwata-1. Now, we did not stop there. Just a couple of years later, the second microsatellite, Diwata-2, was launched. And as we speak, uh, we still have Diwata-2 in orbit, giving us data, taking images of the Philippines and other areas of interest around the world. Now, to complement our satellite, microsatellite development, um, which I already mentioned earlier, Diwata 1 and 2, which are really designed as experimental and research satellites, uh, we also embark on nanosat uh, development. So these are a smaller class satellite, uh, a CubeSat in particular with a size of 10 centimeter by 10 centimeter by 10 centimeter cube. So it's really small. Um, we built a series of these CubeSats. We call it the Maya series through our partnership with Kyushu Institute of Technology. Now, these satellites or the development of these nanosatellites catered to our educational capacity building needs where we can reproduce the know-how and share it with various schools. So 
initially, we started the University of the Philippines sending students to Kyushu Institute of Technology to work on the first nanosatellite, uh, Maya-1. Uh, but for the second one, uh, we included uh, students from other universities as well to participate. And uh, the latest, uh, Maya-3, which was launched last year, uh, this was built this time in the Philippines already. So we were able to bring back what the students learned in Japan. So they brought the know-how back to the Philippines and build the satellite here this time around. So this program is continuing. We are now on to developing Maya 3, 4, and even 5 and 6. That's as far as, as it goes with capacity building, educational and experimental satellites. I can talk more about what we're doing now. Yes, so I, I, that's actually also my next question, you know. Right. What other achievements, you know, have you uh, achieved since the launch of, of a Philippines Space Agency? Yeah, so uh, just to continue on, on our satellite development initiative, uh, we are now developing a new class of satellite uh, for agricultural monitoring as one of its primary missions. So this is called uh, the Multispectral Unit for Land Applications or MULA Satellite, M-U-L-A, which is a multispectral wide swath uh, medium resolution imager satellite. Now in building this satellite, we leapfrog the development of local technology and innovations uh, that will propel the space industry. So this satellite, unlike the previous ones that I described, uh, will be built industry setting. So it sort of gives us a different perspective this time. Last year, our engineers have completed the preliminary design review of this satellite. And uh, hopefully, uh, we will be able to continue with the assembly integration of and test, and finally, the launch of this satellite in the coming years. So, uh, Dr. Perez, if I may have uh, one last question. Um, so, uh, the organization, Philippine Space Agency, was launched a, a little bit more than two years ago. And you have now, I understand, more than 50 employees. And that is quite a significant um, achievement. So, can you tell us a bit like, you know, looking forward, how do you see the organization growing in terms of retaining talent, attracting talent? And I believe this is also a very uh, important topic that was raised at the panel discussion as well this morning. Yes, uh, thank you for that question, Jane. Actually, we are now over 100. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, so, in just two years, uh, we've reached that milestone. It was actually uh, challenging because, as you know, we are working under this pandemic situation. So, yes, I've touched on, on this earlier in the panel discussion. And if I may just add to what I mentioned earlier. So in Filsa, our manpower training begins in our effort uh, from the basic education level up to postgraduate. And even um, we are engaging postdoctoral uh, researchers. So we conducted last year a baseline assessment of space education in Philippine schools, which would aid us in developing further our space education. Uh, we also launched our scholarship program for uh, Filipino scholars who are interested in pursuing space science, technology, and applications-related courses. Uh, and 
Through our programs on our research exchanges, we aim to foster a culture of space science and technology research that would contribute and cascade to various sectors and to our stakeholders. So thank you, Dr. Perez, for uh, sharing with us on the capacity building in terms of talent uh, on that front. Actually, I want to add a couple more points. Yes. So first, uh, I would like to highlight also the international cooperation that we've achieved so far. Uh, we have established several agreements in the past year with UNUSA, JAXA, and now we are looking at signing cooperation agreements as well with uh, UAEESA and uh, European Space Agency. So I think this international cooperation is also important in advancing our goals at the Philippine Space Agency. And uh, finally, this year, we are embarking on our effort to uh, share our know-how to our various um, stakeholders through our program. It's called uh, ISKUELA, so I-S-K-U-E-L-A, which stands for Inclusive SSDA or Space Science and Technology Applications mm. Know-How, Utilization, Exchange, mm -hmm. and Localization Activities, where we engage uh, various stakeholders in fostering a culture of science and innovation. So with this program, we would like to engage several end users uh, from the academe, government agencies, private sector, industry, and even nonprofit organization through training and capacity building engagements. Yes, partnerships are definitely very important, uh, whether it's uh, between private and public sectors, but also internationally, especially when we think about uh, building the infrastructure for launching a satellite into orbit. It's, um, I'm guessing that no one country has everything that is available, except perhaps yes. America or China or Russia. <laughs> Well, uh, if I may echo what I uh, said many times in that dialogue earlier, if you want to run fast, do it alone. But if you want to run far, we need to do it together. So, uh, yes, I guess that's really true, especially in space. Excellent words of wisdom, Dr. Perez. So on that note, thank you very much again for your time on the podcast today. Um, we really appreciate your sharing on you know, the efforts um, to develop upstream space technology, as well as some of the insights and behind-the-scenes um, details uh, on building some of the downstream space technology, which we seldom read or hear about. So thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Perez. Thank you as well. It's been a pleasure. Have Thank you. Have a nice uh, rest of the day.